everyone, and welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we cover the world of independent comics. I, as always, am one of your hosts, Brian, and with me, as also always, the other two parts of the CDB crew, um, Carrie and Darcy. Hi. How are you both doing today? As good as possible. I think the silence is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Well, we tired. Do- well, we do have a big show today. Uh, we do have a little bit of news, and uh, so we'll we'll get, get started. Um, so first, as I said, we are going to go into news. Uh, first uh, thing is it's kind of a news article. I just wanted to kind of mention it. Uh, Zoe Thorgood, who we've had on the show with an interview before, who did the impending blindness of Billy Scott, uh, wrote a short comic called Psychomachia. And it is a sequel to a story that was written in the fifth century um, about the the virtues and the sins battling. And basically, it's modern times, and the sins and virtues meet at a pub in London or in England, and um, and basically discuss like you know what's going on with them. It's a it's a quick read. I definitely recommend it. It's kind of fun. The art's great. So I well I'll put the link in the. Uh, in the in the uh episode description awesome so definitely recommend that yeah i read a bit of it it was pretty good i i didn't finish it i was reading it while i was at work when she posted it and then like put it to the side and didn't finish it but what i read was really good i need to go back to it her her just her uh depictions of every single saint and virtue are like spot on and and like just great <laughs> they look they look all Awesome. Wonderful. People that you know and, and people you, you probably don't want to know. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to go on to the, the big piece here. Uh, uh, Harvey Awards have been nominated or the, the nominations have been announced rather, I would say. Uh, some some big things on here, things that we've covered before in the past. Uh, Book of the Year, um, book tour by Andy Watson. Uh, but the big one that uh, I think we all want to talk about and are probably rooting for is The Magic Fish uh, by Trung Lee Nguyen. Yeah. Mm, I like both of those. Yep, me, me as well. And uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen's also nominated, uh, which I know we're, we're all fans of as well. Mm. Um, other other comics, um, Cyclopedia Exotica, um, Department of Truth Volume 1, Heaven No Hell, Kent State, Four Dead in Ohio, which keeps coming up. So I got Yeah, I want to read that actually. Yeah, that looks really good. And Monsters, um, Stone Fruit, and Save It for Later. Um, Digital Book of the Year. Uh, I'm actually mentioning this definitely because it has to do with our main topic today Adora in the Distance uh, by Mark Bernardin and um, Ariella Christiania, which is the artist of the comic that we are talking about today as our main topic. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Friday, Lore by Ed Brubaker. I know we've talked about that before in the past. Uh, Crisis Zone, Encyclopedia Exotica, Lore Olympus, all of that, uh, all very good stuff. Um, and uh, Magic Fish is also nominated for Best Children or Young Adult Book. Uh, there's uh, the best adaptation of comic books and graphic novels, uh, which I you know we don't really get into, but like Sweet Tooth is a, well, it's technically an independent comic. <laughs> it's it's a Vertigo book, but that's uh, that's one of the ones that's on here, Invincible, The Boys. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Uh, best international book. Unfortunately, I don't recognize anything on here, which means that I need to pay more attention, actually. <laughs> 
And I didn't know Ariella was doing the Mark Bernardin book. Yeah. I'm kind of pissed at Mark Bernardin right now, but oh, <laughs> he, I... he said no one wanted that Loki kiss. And I'm like, are you paying attention to the world? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, that was one of the best parts of the, I was waiting for it. The entire episode. Yeah, I don't, show. I don't know if I consider it the best part, but it's like, no one wanted that. Yeah. Where the hell have you been? person? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I listen to his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well um oh best man- manga um chainsaw man um Remina by jinji ito and Sweet. spy family i think we've mm. all talked about before oh yeah so definitely cool. those are good ones so cool okay uh la- last one this will be really fast uh but it's actually very important too uh vault comics is uh continuing their their pride month through july through the rest of the year actually at least um they're going to be choosing one title um every single month and 50 percent of the digital sales goes to the trevor project so they've already had um heathen and um, Vida Ayala's uh, submerged is, I believe, this month, and uh, in the next couple months, it's gonna be Witch Blood and the Autumnal. Okay. So, very cool. Uh, Trevor Project is, in a, you know, is a pretty good cause to get behind. So, yes, it is. And really quick on the Trevor Project, if anybody is in the Pacific Standard Time uh, time zone, they're always looking for uh, volunteer crisis counselors. They give you training. And you can do it uh, digitally. It's no longer like over the phone like it used to be in the 90s. So if uh, you have evenings or weekends available, they're always asking on Facebook for that because I follow them. So definitely uh, just wanted to plug them, plug that for them because I think it's really important. I would do it if I had the time. Yep. I don't have the time right now, no, but I will one day. Agree, actually, myself as well. Um, it's definitely something. And then if you can't, you know donate your time definitely pick up a good comic and donate half the process yeah, absolutely. so that's a good way to do it <laughs> okay well uh, we're gonna move on to the spotlights uh darcy do you want to go first this week sure i will um i uh picked up a um a book called beyond the clouds the girl who fell from the sky uh by nikkei um it is a a children's manga or kind of like a young reader manga I guess um, that was originally self-published uh, then it was picked up um, and then brought over by Kadansha um, I say self-published it was like um, you know a lot of people go to cons and go like sell their dojinshi um she wasn't selling it like it's not a fan comic it's just like actually her original comic that she was selling so it was self-published in that way um it's kind of like a it kind of feels like an homage to like studio ghibli stuff and like uh uh like castle in the sky but also like um uh, howl's moving castle in a lot of ways so uh howl's moving castle is not just studio ghibli it's also a book so it's also kind of got that behind it as well the art's very adorable the story itself is about uh it's in this world that has like humans but also like animal people like bipedal animals and like people that are in between but there's also like uh, this mythical type of angels, but nobody's like ever seen them, but like they know they exist. And one day this boy is out um, at uh, the junkyard and he finds this angel 
who's missing one of her wings and she's like 10 years old and he's 16 and so he finds her and he rescues her and he brings her home and he decides he's going to build her a new wing uh, mm-hmm. and his home is a like he's a mechanic and all of his his family has like found family they're all mechanics and it's very much like it's kind of very castle in the sky-ish uh, you know like Laputa um, and Uh, So he's like trying to build her a wing and he goes through many different like iterations and she's being kind of chased um, and uh, she gets injured or sick or something and there's like this whole thing and uh, like has to go into a forest and find a so if, if you like Studio Ghibli if you like like RPGs there's kind of like mission elements to it uh, this this is kind of very up your alley it's not hugely sophisticated there does there I mean it has that feeling of it is a first kind of comic it is a debut comic it is kind of like a self published comic it definitely has that feel to it is somebody's early work Mm -hmm. uh, but it's super good it's very cute it's very charming um if you like studio ghibli like rpg stuff this is very up your alley cool yeah i like both of those so i definitely need to check it out and i was looking at the art it's very detailed yeah i i I like the pencil work is really good it's very very pretty it's it's kind of sketchy but it's it's hugely gorgeous all all the scenery very uh, lush looking the characters are very cute yeah i liked it a lot yeah it looks really good so cool thank you yeah the most recent volume i think was volume three it came out in january Uh, i only read volume one like two nights ago and it it came out uh in 2020 cool over here i i I didn't check like the japanese dates but yeah yeah, volume three released in january um and it was still ongoing as far as i can tell awesome that sounds perfect because i also like the fact that it's still near the beginning because sometimes it gets very daunting to get into a manga when it's been around for 25 (laughs) years yeah (laughs) so okay very cool okay how about carrie uh do you want to go for next sure so um i am sticking true to my want of wanting to do horror and so my spotlight is um the silver coin uh volumes one through four and I'm saying that because I'm literally reading it off the iPad. Um, with a, so I guess it's the same artist. It's Michael Walsh, um, but it's a rotating cast of um, writers. So it's like Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson, Jeff Lemire. And um, they're anthologies, right? So like every, every um, episode, God, Carrie, lose your words. Every issue is its own story. So um, with the, the premise of a silver coin being the thread throughout, it's really good. The artwork, the artwork is sick. I love it. Um, it's just gory enough to where I'm not completely offended by it because I do have visceral physical reactions to um, extreme gore or extreme um, like bloodshed or violence. I don't do well with that, but it's just violent enough to where it's really entertaining um the first one is like about a music group and then the second one is about like a camp a sleepaway camp the third one is about um a home invasion and the fourth one is about the future the fourth one was a recent um (laughs) I was telling Brian earlier so the fourth one was a recent uh 
you know, release. And it's written by Jeff Lemire. And Brian was asking me about it. I'm like, oh, it's actually, it was kind of boring. I don't really, I just read it and I don't really remember what it was about. And I was like, if this is indicative of Jeff Lemire's work, I don't like him because I haven't really read anything (laughs) by him. I kid. I mean, I don't. I'm. Yeah. He's so, like so, supposed to be one of the best. I just thought it was funny that I said that. Um, my favorite. No, it is. <laughs> my favorite um, issue is my favorite story is probably the second one because it's it's very very like '80s horror flicks, slasher flicks. Um, there's even a little homage to that in the beginning. Um, it centers around a like I want to say early teens girl so like maybe 12 to 14 a little misfit type of kid um and unfortunately she is under the possession of a very very uh, deadly and evil object but hot damn what she does you're actually rooting for the bad guy in that one you're, yeah she she I mean the horror and that is so good so um read it if you like it I um it's an image comic right yes okay um but so it's good. I don't know how much we're supposed to give away of the plots anymore because I think we had a discussion about that. But um, if you like horror, oh. and I don't do well with continuing stories, I've noticed. I need like a chunk of of pages, and like I can be done with it. So I do, I do like the um, the anthology feel to it. So very, it was it's it was a lot of fun for me to read the end and, Yay. <laughs> very nice and kelly thompson was the, the okay the so the kelly thompson is forgive me so kelly thompson and kelly sue deconic yes because they're both kelly's i don't know it's like their camp it's like their highlander there can only be one i don't know who's who so I don't know why, but every time well, I see Kelly, and that's obviously Kelly Thompson, I think it's Kelly Sue DeConnick. Fortunately, they're both awesome. So it's that's 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 yeah. I just I know uh, that's my bad just because I, it, I'm well, horrible with names. It, you know, if you accidentally read a Kelly Sue DeConnick book, and when you think it's a Kelly Thompson book, it's not a big deal because they're both very awesome. Uh, okay, cool. so no, I I'm in fact, did Kelly Thompson? Did she write the second one? Yes, she did. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. That was that was she, that was probably my favorite one out of the four. Oh, very cool. Okay, that's it. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, I guess I'll get on to mine here, which I have my notes and I'm totally vamping because my notes are not up. Okay, so I did um, Alice and Alice in Leatherland um, from uh, Black Mask, and um, that is sorry, uh, <laughs> that is written by um, Ayolanda Zanfrandino and Elisa Ramboli. And uh, like I said, it was for Black Mask. Um, three issues have come out. Actually, the fourth issue will be out by the time this episode drops. Um, so um, I w- want to just give you guys a quick rundown. Uh, they are now all available, like I said last week, uh, via um, Comixology. So it's definitely a good pickup. So Alice in Leatherland. Um, it's, it's a it's a young it's about a young naive fairy tale writer named Alice. Um, she finds out that her girlfriend is cheating on her, so she decides on a whim to move to San Francisco uh, because her illustrator and friend uh, Robin. 
is also uh, going to San Francisco uh, for a job, but Alice is going there without a job or a place to live, and San Francisco doesn't look kindly upon that. Um, so she fortunately finds a place to live uh, kind of fast, but it's with um, roommates. Uh, one's a dom, and the other one is a kind of a sexual artist. Um, and um, and Alice is very. Um, I'm not going to say repressed, but she's very like, you know, like she is not. British? She, yeah, well, well, she's yeah very not uh, like sexually explicit. So she's kind of like, what the heck is going on here? But she's no shame, no shade to it, though. But it, but so she becomes a roommate that um, the, her two other roommates are instantly like in love and infatuated with her like just as a friend essentially and want to help her out so um the the dom gets um alice a job at a sex shop called leatherland and um so um and she turns out she's really good at selling things so um she's actually quite enjoying that while she is um writing her new fairy tale so the way the fairy tale is depicted in this story is basically the fairy tale is based on her life and she's writing it th throughout when, when things happen she you kind of get a reinterpretation of what just happened but as as like basically as her writing it and she writes herself as a like a lightning bug who's lost her light Aww. and so she is um and and so basically the characters that she meets people that she meet are all different types of bugs um and they're all cutely drawn and and so it kind of adds that little kind of uh, whimsy to this um it is it is like a, a a sex comedy but it's not bouty or body it's it's um it has it's not really explicit is i guess is the best way to, to put it but it does have it does have the kind of I, I guess if you if you're if you're okay with sex criminals i would say you're okay with this it's about the same level um and uh but I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I think one of my favorite moments in it. Uh, so Alice goes, um, is shopping. She sees, um, she's in, I think she's in the Castro district in San Francisco. And she sees a store that sells, uh, it's during Pride. And they're selling a bunch of stuff for Pride. And one of them is a t-shirt that says Bear Mom on it. Um, and so she's like, oh, I love bears. Because she's like, where she grew up was near Yosemite. So she buys a shirt and so she's she's wearing it and then like she has a run-in with her um her friend who turns out um is a little more open about things uh, and also might have a crush on alice even though robin her friend doesn't believe in relationships so that's another part of the story that is going to kind of come up and um and so she's kind of crushed because of the awkward conversation awkward situation she had with her friend and all of a sudden she turns and there's a group of bears uh, that are that that see her, and they kind of are like like surprised because they kind of just ran into each other, and then they look down at her shirt, and she's like, and then they they and then the next panel is them putting her on on uh, their shoulders and like parading around with the bear mom. That's cute. So it it's it was uh it was it was pretty cute. It's pretty fun. Um, the, the creators of the book are actually a couple and they live in Italy and are, are actually very nice. I've talked to them a, a couple times uh, through Instagram. So they're definitely worth supporting. That's always fun when, you know, I, I like when like people who know each other are friends or, or 
couples make books together. That's always kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so I don't know how autobiographical this is, but whether or not it's autobiographical, it's still good. So I like it. Um, All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our main course, uh, which is this week uh insects volume one uh chrysalis i never know how to say that word is it chrysalis 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 by marguerite bennett um ariella cristiantina brian valenza jessica colleen and a larger world uh, and it's published by aftershock um darcy this was your choice so do you want to give us the rundown on it sure um Basically why I picked this is uh, we've kind of been doing kind of more happy-go-lucky friendly books recently and we haven't really disagreed on anything in a while. (laughs) Uh, So I decided I'd do something that would risk disagreement. Um, And this is a body horror sex sex, uh, horror sex magic book. Um, I thought that might do it. Um, And also I kind of like this for... um, you know, I like my Southeast Asian stuff and the artists and both the colorists are Indonesian. Um, Ariella is an American. I think one or both of the colorists might now be in America, but originally Indonesian. So I kind of, every time I read that in the back matter, I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of like a Southeast Asian book almost. Um, so that always kind of makes me smile when I go through the book and read the end. Um, so that's kind of why I picked it. As to what the story is, um, when you get to the first page, Marguerite Bennett makes it kind of like very obvious why she wrote this book. And that is kind of like, it is explicitly a book that is around body horror and kind of this like um, expectation of society on women, specifically herself and how she saw herself. Um, You always have to be pretty and groomed specifically hair in certain places the pain of periods and pregnancy and this and that so like you go into it with that mindset the story itself um is about it takes place in uh london like victorian london and you've got uh lady lolita bertram um who is a half indian and but wealthy one assumes her father was was the wealthy member of that uh, pairing who married uh harry bertram who was not wealthy and needed to marry her for his or her money um who hates her because she has had uh many soul births and kind of looks down on her for it um and she is in love with her maid mariah um, and not at all in love with her husband, Harry, who is abusive both to uh, Lolita and to the household in general. Uh, so Mariah and Lolita are kind of like there for one another in so many different ways. And they kind of come up with this scheme to both kind of take care of Harry and also be together. And that scheme is, uh, involves sex magic and also insects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sex magic is Mariah has this ability that she gained from sex magic uh, to implant this egg that she has 
through the mouth into Mariah that creates this baby between the two of them that uh, Lolita then puts into Harry uh, and Harry impregs. Uh, and he has this for a couple of days, I guess, because he gets sick and he blames uh, Lolita or Mariah or both of them for poisoning him. And then he explodes from the inside as all great body horrors must um, <laughs> with uh, their baby um, and dies. Hooray. Cause he was a horrible person. Um, uh, and the baby they call William and they then hide the body of Harry um, they expect the body to be found quickly. Unfortunately, they hid it too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have to pretend that he's just like, I don't know, gone for work. Uh, it takes something like six months mm-hmm. for the body to be found. In that period of time, they're just like going around doing their thing. Uh, Lolita's being hit on by assholes. Um, and they're still going around doing their sex magic thing. And they find out that this... Um, sex magic that they've used has caused unforeseen side effects they've become cryptids essentially of the insect variety uh lolita has uh butterfly wings uh and she can grow these spines off her back that allow her to stab people so she's going off into Whitechapel and killing people who are hurting uh prostitutes or kidnapping children um mariah can sense things she can track really well she can hear really well she can like feel pheromones and emotions but she has to like go down on lolita before uh, (laughs) she can do any of this Uh, so you get lots of really like fabulous sex scenes beforehand uh there is another character that they interact with a lot named dr william who was a a quote-unquote friend of harry's he's really not he just wants to be near lolita um who comes and tell the tells them oh holy crap we found your husband's body he's been killed by the butcher of Whitechapel or the butcher of london excuse me because there's this um something that's been going around killing people George and Sylvia Bertram come to town. This is uh, George's, Harry's brother. Um, Sylvia's George's wife. And they are certain that one, William, is not Harry's son. They're not wrong. Um, And two, Lolita is a whore. (laughs) By these standards, they're kind of also not wrong. (laughs) they're also very bad people they're they're terrible terrible people just like harry was a bad person for you know like beating uh servants and uh also selling women and doing all the horrible things harry was doing george is also kind of doing this stuff as well and sylvia hates women thinks women are like terrible terrible people sylvia is an awful human being and like sells one of the servant boys to try and see what uh lolita will do about it just awful awful people so the household has to kind of like go into mourning but lolita's kind of like she's been set free at this point she's like a monster superhero who's been going out 
killing people and rescuing things. And she's like, I'm not going to sit in this house and not do anything when I can like fly and eat things now. It's not going to happen. So she's sneaking out doing all her stuff and Sylvia's sneaking out watching her. She's like, I've seen you go to the whorehouses. Now, Lolita's saving prostitutes, but Sylvia assumes she's like seeing prostitutes. Lolita sneaks out to a um, to a abortionist, to a doctor who's performing abortions, uh, but killing the women that yeah, he's seeing. Not doing it safely. Uh, and so Lolita kills him instead by like uh, vagina dentata, this motherfucker. It's yeah. awesome. I loved it. Like a toothy vagina. Oh, let me tell you, and just opens up her all insides and eats him with it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, and then you go this whole thing, werewolves appear for some reason, who knows, but they're involved. <laughs> um, there's this brotherhood that Lolita thinks is the, um, the, butcher. the butcher of London. Um, but it ends up, it turns out that they're not. They're another factor of people hunting the Butcher of London. Um, and they think Lolita is. Lolita thinks they are. They're both wrong. Uh, there's this third party called the Hag, who is this force that feeds on horror, essentially, that feeds on hatred. Uh, and she, essentially, uh, has been living at the uh, whorehouse that Harry was bringing, like, selling women to and, and, and visiting and doing all kinds of horrible stuff at. And now George has been coming, too. And so Lolita and Mariah and, oh, they find out Sylvia has been... Um, dealing with this as well because George was involved and George infected Sylvia and so Sylvia and Lolita fight in this like insect versus hag fight that's fabulous it's been my background on my phone like five (laughs) times since I first read this about five years ago Um, and then once Lolita's killed Sylvia uh, Lolita has to go after the hag proper so they like pretend to be like wanton and go down to the whorehouse and rent out the whole whorehouse um and like stay in there and have like tons of sex for like three days uh and then they like kill the hag and it's such a overwhelming experience that lolita has to go into a chrysalis for days um or days or weeks or years or whatever. And so now the whores that have been rescued, you know, I'm like, quote unquote, they're prostitutes. The prostitutes that have been rescued, the brothers, the werewolves uh, who have like decided to move on to like a better thing. Because before this, they were like, prostitutes are evil and sins and whatnot and whatever. They kind of like hated women who had sex, uh, have like learned the error of their ways because they learned the prostitutes were okay people, Um, have like decided to hang out with the prostitutes and go hunt people that hate women. Um, And Mariah have like, gone on to like do other things now that the hag is dead and that's the end of volume one. Oh and William died. Yeah. The baby. Oh the Dr. baby William died? died. No, Dr. William died. Oh okay. Baby's fine. 
Maybe it's five. And maybe. so, yeah, at the end, it's it's Mariah and and William the baby. Oh, and baby, baby William. Baby William, and um, and just uh, waiting for uh, Lilia, Lolita to wake up. To wake, yeah. So, um, there hasn't been a volume two yet. Has yes, there? there has. Oh, there yeah. has. Okay. So, yeah, volume uh, two is uh, kind of like William being magical too. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're obviously. Yeah. obviously William is magical too and like his mom's being like fuck yeah he's gonna be king of the world kind of thing <laughs> mm-hmm. that's but yeah that's that's pretty cool though I mean okay so I I enjoyed this definitely so Darcy wanted a book that we all weren't going to like no I wanted a book that it was possible we would disagree on yes well that was a little bit possible we would disagree we possibly on. are disagreeing on this because I did not like it there we I, go. I stopped right before you get to like whatever's considered chapter three, like right when Sylvia got introduced. I was super, I was actually bored. I, the artwork was fabulous. I love, I love, love, love the coloring. Love the coloring's the artwork. fabulous. Yeah. Um, the page breaks that are reminiscent of like the Alphonse Muha artwork, that art deco mm, type of mm, style. Gorgeous. Yeah. Loved it. Um, I, it just and maybe this says more about me than the book I'll take that responsibility I um Marguerite's page intro turned me off to it instantaneously mm-hmm. the um chap- oh the the introduction the, intro, the introductory page yeah. where she's like like her letter or whatever that was totally mm. turned me off right away um I just and Brian and I have had this conversation privately before about a lot of things I feel and and like I said I think this is how I interpret things I think this is me I do not think this is about anything I ingest like I will take responsibility for how I feel about things I have a problem with things that I consider overtly preachy and when I read the intro it was preachy to me. I and understand I was, that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to read it. I mean, I, I love to see two women have sex. That is my favorite. Everyone knows that. <laughs> my parents know that. I love it. Um, I was totally like not into the story as much as I would have hoped to have been um I thought that the art really saved it for me from stopping earlier but the minute I saw the um the like right as Sylvia and George get introduced and they're having that discussion and George is being all weird and then and then he apologizes to his wife or whatever I, like the minute I read that, I was like, okay, I'm sort of done. So I, I, I checked out and I didn't give it as much of, um, of a shot as maybe I should have, but it just, it didn't hold my interest. The artwork though is fabulous. Absolutely. I would probably flip through it just to see like the actual body horror elements mm-hmm. because the rest, like, I really thought the artwork was amazing and the, the coloring was unreal. Now the coloring is absolutely fantastic. The coloring is hands down my favorite part of the book because I think it is so well balanced and just absolutely gorgeous. Um, 
I I cannot say enough for how good the, the coloring is and artwork as well. Um, I like the story to it. I like the body horror element. I think I, she personalizes the introduction, which I really like. It's it's she talks about kind of like her story for it. If it weren't it, I I personally. And this is speaking from like a 2020, 2021 perspective, like I maybe would have liked a little bit more inclusive language in the introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's me, but it's not like I think Marguerite Bennett isn't, you know, like an inclusive person. She's very supportive of trans people. She always has been. She's had trans characters in her books. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like I don't think she is because she was speaking very much from her own perspective. Yes. So I'm fine with that. Uh, it's just, I would have liked that more in her thing. I liked it yeah. because um, connecting this concept, because body horror always comes from something yeah like the, the reason why you do body horror it always comes from something body horror isn't just you can do gore for gore's sake and that's fine but like doing gore for a reason to me always makes a little bit more sense like it's like impreg for a reason i kind of like um i like you know whatever i i you know i kind of liked the 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 explanatory element of it like why she was writing it in the first place um so you know i always kind of like that why they decided to write the story in the first place so mm-hmm. i from a my personal perspective of it i i kind of like the why they decided to write it that's why kind of i read back matter mm-hmm. you know so I, I don't know. And I um, didn't read the intro. I, I meant to come back to it before we recorded, but. Oh, really? You didn't even read it? I didn't read that. I didn't read that. Oh, the that's intro. funny. Yeah, I just went right into the comic. I just read the first sentence, which was like, I wanted to mix body horror with, with erotica. And I'm like, cool. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's like, I'm on board. Okay. Which is H- what it is. Yeah, it's, H- it's yeah, definitely. Erotica body horror. Yeah. Um, so, um, but no. Um, definitely enjoyed it it was definitely up there um i i I kind of have used like um the mortal hulk as my as like the body horror like like um judgment uh, piece essentially and it's definitely up there with with uh, a mortal hulk uh when it comes to body horror (laughs) um there's pieces of horror factors yeah exactly yeah yeah. Pieces of bodies flying everywhere. Um, yeah. Things growing out of things that shouldn't uh, usually grow yes. out there. Um, I love Lolita's transformations into the, and each time yeah. she transforms, she, it's, it's a little bit more and different. It's more, yeah. yeah. And, and also we mentioned it, the, 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 uh, the thing, the vagina full of things that ends yeah. up becoming her stomach <laughs> was, was definitely a, a very, very crazy part of that, which, mm-hmm. uh, but um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, so, so when I, when it, I guess I read the 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 first sentence and which mentioned it was erotica and body horror and that's what I got so I think that's why I enjoyed it. Oh, um, no, you probably could have read the whole thing yeah. and still enjoyed it. Um, probably yeah, but I mean, but but, um, but yeah. So my my one downside was is that I I kind of wish the 
characters were a little more dynamic. Mm. Um, they, they're all kind of one note, like Lolita yeah. and Mariah are good. Sylvia, George are bad, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, see. like there, there's not, there's not a lot of dimension, but that's just kind of, once again, that's a kind of a personal preference. Well, they're bad in a really like very specific way. Yeah. I, I personally didn't like how Mariah never said uh, Lolita's name. Yeah. yeah that that kind of got on my nerves. She says my lady a lot. Yeah. All or the time. my love. Yeah. Yeah. And she no. called her my love constantly my love or uh, lady love or something like that she she always and I like an endearment I enjoy an endearment endearments are great mm -hmm. but fucking people don't only call people endearments yeah. like that is such a weird thing that some writers do um and this is not like the soul and 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 like Lolita called Mariah Mariah constantly so it was mm -hmm. a character choice that was made yeah for mariah to constantly use endearments like constantly use endearments like she used lady when she was in public because yes. obviously in public you would use lady but in private it was constantly like love or blah blah, blah. and i'm like use a goddamn name occasionally and, and i could I, I the only the only thing i could see why that choice was made was because uh, there is a mention uh, by both the hag and, and by sylvia that um Lolita doesn't like her name and the only thing she likes about her name is the title that she was given the, the lady part so yeah. Mariah is might be just calling her lady or love because that, she doesn't like hearing her her name lady. I was it like her first name was it her first yeah okay maybe I missed that yeah like like it's it's kind of like thrown out there in in like a like a heated argument so i've I can, read this yeah. like a billion times yeah. i don't think i've ever noticed that it's like towards the end with the, with the hack which um also that was another benefit i like like changeling horror stuff mm, and, mm. and and besides besides obviously the insect wear insects in this um, i like a wear insect yeah, yes you, you get the werewolves um and and then and i also that was actually a dynamic thing was because they originally were antagonists and then they kind of realized what was going on and they were kind of on a reluctant um a reluctant alliance with with lolita mm. at first and then the the um and then the one guy was like, no, we got to kill everybody. And, you know, and like, screw all, all these, all these sex workers and stuff. And so, and then the person that was, that had originally befriended Lita and Mariah was like, nope, <laughs> that, that ain't going to happen. And, and we're just going to kill you instead. And then follow, you know, and, and, and help protect these people, protect yeah. the people that need to be protected, which my personal opinion, when it comes to religion and religion sex, that should be the main thing that they do right yeah it's like help help the people that need help so the part, yeah the part of the dialogue that i really enjoyed um was when lolita was down there with the sex workers and um that thing was it's like the very first time like you see like the like the sex workers get introduced and there's like a thing that was going to attack that's the werewolf yeah, yeah okay so um and then Lolita's talk, it's right before she meets Sylvia and Lolita's talking to the sex workers and they're like, oh, they're saying like, I'm going to get me a pistol. And one of the other girls is like, I'm going to get me a dog that's like loyal 
to me good to children but like will go after anybody I don't like yeah that's what she ends up getting (laughs) does she okay good because one of the werewolves (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah that was um that was my favorite part because it mentioned a dog. I was like, "Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she ends up getting uh, it, in, there's an implication that one of the the werewolves ends up liking her. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. But I think the reason I like that dialogue so much is because I'm always so. I think we need, especially here in the states, like sex work is work and yes. i think that um it should not be criminalized the way that it is if it was decriminalized then more sex workers would actually be safe mm-hmm. and there would be less violence um but, exactly. but it's um it's nice it was nice to see that moment because there was a very human faction to that and it humanized the sex workers, which I feel like in any medium, the minute you bring in a sex worker, it can go either way. Yeah, that's, to- that's the whole part with those with that group of women mm-hmm. is originally before the hag came in, like that entire uh, house was women who made their own brothel. Uh, like they talk about how, you know, a lot of women get into prostitution for many different reasons. Like some of them, you know, were beaten or some of them went through hard lives. But the three women who started this shop, like she had, you know, she liked singing in bars and they they together wanted to open the shop because they enjoy that life. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is awesome. I mean, that's and and I, it always boils down to like if you don't like it, then don't do it. You know, like that's you know. Well, but, you know, some people have to to yeah, pay the yeah. bills. Well, but, no, I, I mean the other way around. As in, like, oh like, yeah, yeah, If you yeah. don't like sex workers, then don't go to a leave sex them worker. Yes, yeah. yeah. leave yeah. them alone. They're, they're fine. <laughs> you know, you. you're not forced to go have sex with somebody for money. You know, <laughs> it's not it's not a rule. Like if, if there's a sex worker, you have to have sex with them. You know, so it's like, come on, just mind your own business and don't mind theirs. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, any final thoughts or? I'd like to see more artwork. Yeah. And well, read that one by Mark Medarden and. Yeah, I was going to say that, um, which um, I was, I think I, I, that might have been my next choice, but after <laughs> you said Darcy earlier too. Oh, um, no, he's I, a great. I uh, was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I might actually do it towards the end of the uh, of the season because also you know doing two books in a row by the same artist I'll be the great artist I mean uh, I think we'll we'll do a little bit of a, a little mixture aren't I instead. picking next book oh you're picking next yeah, yeah yeah so okay well maybe we'll see um all right well um we can go ahead and move into our discussion and um which will once again, I will ask Darcy to explain. I'm, I'm definitely leaning on you today, <laughs> Darcy. I, you know what? I appreciate it. Whatever works. Yeah. Whatever works. So if you are on Comics Twitter, which, you know, you don't have to be. Some people would say, get the hell off of Comics Twitter. I don't blame you. Um, I enjoy it. But, you know, like some days it's awful. But if you're on Comics Twitter or just comics uh, news in general, you probably saw a Hollywood Reporter report come out about uh, Marvel and DC's um, 
payment process recently, specifically um, how they uh, kind of pay out uh, the people who are responsible for how their movies have made so much damn money, Mm -hmm. how they pay their creators and how they do not essentially pay their creators enough um, because, you know, the creators are creating the characters and creating the plots that have made them billions and billions and billions of dollars. um, And um, uh, then these creators are not seeing returns on what they have created. Um, So, Essentially, to be successful in the comic book industry, what we are seeing with creatives at the moment is that writers especially um, is kind of what you focus on because they're, for the most part, the ones doing this, uh, is that they're getting started in the independent industry or in the independent side of the industry to um do their first kind of works. Uh, They'll get recognized by Marvel and DC, get brought into Marvel and DC uh, to um, make a name for themselves, to get famous with readers because readers only really read Marvel and DC as we all know here. Um, It's frustrating, but it happens to be true. That's where most of the readers go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel and DC will mine their stuff for material to put in their uh, TV shows or in their movies or in their video games or in their podcasts, which I enjoy. Yep, also um, video dramas. <laughs> yeah. And then not pay them properly for it. And then they move back to the independent comics industry or sector portion of comics. And then they can make their own properties again but with the fan base they've developed um and hopefully um get recognized by like netflix or something like that and get that actual money from adaptions Mm -hmm. that goes actually to them and not to someone else And the fact that you have to go through like five or six different processes for to actually get paid for creating a thing when you've been creating things this entire time seems a little strange and weird and maybe not right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of like, how does this process, um, how can you make this process better? Um, Is this okay? I know a lot of, Uh, I would say kind of, I would call bullshit on it, but a lot of the comments on this article and comments on people sharing this article was, well, they signed the contract. (laughs) Uh, And it's true. A lot of them did sign. I mean, this contract was signed. They're not wrong. Technically, contracts were signed. Mm -hmm. Um, And what uh, Marvel and DC generally gives um, is uh, credit. Obviously, they have no choice because lawyers will be called. Yes. Uh, generally, you will have credit. Um, sometimes they don't, as in the case of um, Bill Finger, uh, mm-hmm. as we all know, as I hope we all know. Yeah. Uh, Bill Finger was the co-creator of Batman. And mm-hmm. for the majority of Batman's existence, most people did not know that Bill Finger was co-creator. Uh, it wasn't until uh, a reporter 
and um, part of Bill Finger's family kind of went and dug this uh, all this information up and went to prove that finally Bill Finger started to get credit. Uh, but even then, like it, getting the money from it uh, was even harder. And even then, like now there's a villain in the DC canon called <laughs> William Hand. And I still don't understand what that's about. Like, that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, the way DC and Marvel handle this is really weird. Uh, you know, there's this whole thing in the article about the squeaky, uh, squeaky wheel gets the mm-hmm. oil kind of thing. You know, like people who make noise actually get more money, and that shouldn't be the thing. Like, you know, like the people. But it's also incredibly complicated. I'm saying all the information. I should let you guys talk. Oh uh, no! No 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 oh. no! Uh, I was paying attention. Yeah. And uh, I was just going to say that this is their method um, and the way that they use their creatives and and create profit from their creatives without actually, and the creatives are not really compensated well for them, is very much old Hollywood. Um, It is, it's almost exactly the way it used to be like back, you know, back in, you know, like Universal, uh, Paramount, Mm. they would, they would basically contract actors, directors, and then you specifically work for that studio mm-hmm. and you work for a nominal amount of money of pay and you just you were basically like you have to do six movies seven movies yeah mgm is notorious yeah mgm that. is probably well, got the this, worst people the studio system and and marvel and dc have exclusives right yeah. you've got exclusive mm-hmm. contracts for certain creators exactly. it's not just not dissimilar it's pretty much exactly and, the same yeah. thing for some creatives yeah but and, it's quote unquote good for them because it's guaranteed guaranteed work yeah exactly you get a paycheck but the thing is is that um is that you're not getting as much as probably they like you were saying just deserve and it worked itself out in hollywood because the popularity of movies like basically surpassed anything that the studios could ever even imagine and so these and then the faces of these movies the actors and actresses are the ones getting the fame and notoriety so then they have the ability and the leverage to basically be like no i'm not going to work you know like from the minimum wage i'm going to work for millions of dollars Mm. and unfortunately you can't do that in comics because there's no leverage (laughs) you know because it's but we are getting closer and and i think that's maybe might be even why that they're hesitant dc and marvel hesitant to really mention the creatives the writers um because because like if you start everyone starts recognizing like jeff lemire or ed brubaker with captain america you know Mm -hmm. and winter soldier you know like everyone starts recognizing oh yeah ed brubaker he's awesome um you know brubaker might have leverage to be like no i'm not going to work for you you yeah. know, unless you pay me X or give me creative rights to this. But isn't that the whole point? Because like someone like Ed Brubaker has been in the game for so long. Mm-hmm. He's built the brand. He has the leverage. Oh, yeah. Whereas I think but, like other people who have been in the game as long, maybe not as famous, they don't have that leverage am i just repeating everything you're saying because no. i'm not no i don't no 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 i don't think you're wrong at all because no. like brew baker had leverage going in but brew baker also sh- deserves a whole fuck ton because oh, absolutely the whole second half of the mcu doesn't happen without brew baker because brew exactly. baker's the winter soldier right and so 
everything from not even the second half everything from phase one like movie two mm-hmm. on doesn't happen without Brubaker so that man should be kicking doors in yeah. um and I don't know if he is or not but he should be well, and the thing is is I understand that like um for some people it's like they're picking and choosing and pulling from lots of places so maybe like deciding how much money you give which person is complicated it would be complicated like where do you wait how much money this person gets because we took a word here or a piece of a scene here and there like it it can't be perfectly easy because you're not lifting whole books like you know like the dc animated user universe with red sun like that's one person okay or one book okay um but like when you're doing something uh, like um, uh, Ms. Marvel, for example, uh, you have to be giving Jewilla Wilson money for that. She's yeah. a producer on the, on there, it, so she's right. So she's, she's definitely getting money. Yes. So, but you don't like that. Shouldn't even be a question. No, right? definitely yeah. not. She shouldn't have to be executive producer no, to get paid for exactly. the character. Right. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, is that, and, but then when you're older characters, yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's like, you know, like if you're going to write a Batman story or, you know, like how many different people, mostly white and male, have written Batman and you're, what you're drawing from them, you know, but but yeah, there there is definitely a gray area, but it's it doesn't mean that they should just not do it. You know, they, they sh- there should yeah. just not be no compensation. Also, I mean, I would have to say um, just two things. One real quick um, with Jeff Lemire or, or um, and even I don't like Mark Millar that much, but I'm just going to say yeah. it. Um, you know what? When a, when a comic book TV show or a movie comes out, like Umbrella Academy, Hellboy, um, you know, like Sweet Tooth, like support those because those are the ones that those are the creators that probably helped create the the dc and marvel character movies that you like Mm -hmm. um are this is where they're getting paid (laughs) you know like yeah and and i mean it's it's important to i mean it's i don't like mark millar either and he's making money all over the place because he makes comics that are movies he's that's all he does the man's smart yeah. You know, he's, he's, I, I don't love him, but he's smart and he's all over, all over my wastelands. Yeah. <laughs> Radio show. Yes. I mean, he's all over that. Um, but also like speaking of Marvel to go back to that, like, you know, Clint Barton, um, that's his Clint Barton. Yeah. That's right. Not, like that's they're, not- Fraction. There are some things you can tell. Yeah. Uh, first of all, he came out before Fractions. Clint Barton yeah. even existed. Exactly. So until we get Hawkeye, which should have Fractions name on it, that show, that mm-hmm. will have Fraction in it. Um, but up until now, that's been Mark Millar. Like there are some things oh. that are very easy. The to spot. The Avengers movie. And oh, also is, yes. is the ultimates. Is and the ultimates. Was, yeah. And, and in fact, um, 
the fact that Nick Fury looks like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. That that was that was Mark Millar. Yeah. And it was so funny that like they they basically made the character look like Nick like um, Samuel L. Jackson. So then when Just they made the movie, him. they got Samuel L. Jackson to yeah. play the character that looks like him. It was great. It's kind of what I always wanted, like with like Constantine and Sting. But fortunately, this time the person had it aged out. You know, by yeah. the time. So it's good. So, um, but also. Um, the oh you had mentioned it earlier and i want to kind of bring back to it the whole paper argument of well they signed a contract well they signed a contract but in that industry if dc and marvel come up to you and want to work with you you can't say no if you're up and coming there's there, there this is not this is not a negotiation and then and then once again, you it's need leverage. to get your name out there, yeah. It, exactly because because like um, like you said, unfortunately, there's like a Rube Goldberg style like uh, system here where you have to start get your name out, then get onto a DC Marvel book so people will actually read your books, and then and then you go back and you do your indie books. Like Donny Case did it, Jeff Lemire did it. I mean, there it's just it happens. Everybody like all your favorite writers are doing this, and that's and- not right. <laughs> And DC and Marvel are the ones with the lawyers. They're the ones with those con. You know, yeah. you're not you're not writing those contracts. They're the mm-hmm. ones writing those contracts. And those contracts benefit them, and they protect them. Yes. They don't protect yeah. the creatives. So yeah, even though and and it's very much you know like taking advantage of the you know. It's, do not do not argue for the multi-billion dollar corp don't argue for yeah. disney and wb fuck right off yeah, exactly <laughs> so so yeah exactly and so the things i think i think obviously there's not much we can do at this moment but it's, except for supporting the independent works which is one of the big reasons why we started this podcast yeah. is to be like hey there's a bunch of good independent comic books and these people hey the writers and artists they actually get paid <laughs> they actually yeah. get they actually get money and notoriety and they don't need to like there's a there's plenty of writers and artists out there that haven't gone to dc and marvel yet that deserve your money like shing and core you know like please yeah. give them money um, yes and, and uh and then also um that so that's one thing is just support ind- the independent books to support the things that come from those independent books like the multi-million dollar netflix shows and all that stuff um and then stuff I, like trace that came out like yes. when, when weird stuff gets adapted mm-hmm. when budget tan or budget's tans trace was adapted that was ridiculous like Mm -hmm. holy crap and that needs to happen more often it needs to happen more often because it is a unique voice it is something different it is it was really phenomenally done go out there and watch that if you have not watched it yet go out there and watch it support that exactly I, i mean i liked loki too I'm not saying I didn't. I did. Yeah. I, I, but go out there and watch something else as well. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying as well. It's just, it's, yeah. Yeah. Loki was awesome. It was great. So, yeah. but, but at the same time, so are these other shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like, and the thing is too, is that 
also be very vocal be definitely talk about all the stuff because because these are these are this these don't have multi-million dollar advertising groups behind them they they um a lot of the stuff like tresse i know it's netflix and netflix obviously is a billion dollar corporation yeah but but they're not pushing it as hard as they would push but what like what they push the dc or the the marvel tv shows when they had them you know yeah. they're not they're not pushing them as hard because they don't expect to make as much money off of them but so that's up to you guys the audience <laughs> to to be like on twitter and instagram be like hey did you check out Tresse? you know like this is awesome like watch this you like horror um i'm part of the show facebook, your appreciation i'm part of a facebook group that has a lot of like horror lovers in it and i posted i'm like hey you guys might not have heard of this and this is on netflix now please check it out it got one like like <laughs> And I was, and the one guy who liked it was was Filipino from the Philippines, and he's like, "Yeah, I love this comic." And I was like, "But everyone who doesn't read this comic should be also looking at this and saying, hey, let's let's watch this show.' So yeah. I'm re- I'm really hoping. So yeah, just that that's the thing is is that you just need to be vocal about it as well and to help support. Yeah, yeah, that that idea of I think we've seen over the last couple of years that in bad ways, unfortunately, uh, again, that whole fucking squeaky wheel gets the oil or whatever that phrase is, um, you know, this, the Snyder cut happened, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That Sonic's face got changed by <laughs> fucking Twitter, which does not have the majority of the human race on it. No, it doesn't. Um, and yet a- for some reason it keeps you know, making change in the world, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if we can do ridiculous things like that, uh, we can do things that are ridiculous, but not necessarily so stupid, uh, like supporting people, supporting creative people in their creative endeavors uh, for good things. Um, and, you know, bringing up their good works mm-hmm. uh signal boosting people uh showing appreciation when uh companies actually go out and and give credit or pay money uh like that that's that's a way to do that like if any company is going out and doing the right thing like hey that's that's a good thing to promote um or you know god knows they probably didn't i don't i don't know netflix's animation policies fucking it was probably horrible because animations never treated well not really well Um, probably not uh but um the animation is good and the story was great and you know the fact that they did it's just excellent so exactly show some appreciation and all, all of the other independent comics that keep getting picked up that maybe aren't Mark Millar's. So, you know, like yeah. people, people that <laughs> people that aren't going out there writing comics just for them to be movies. Um, they're, they're that's making awesome a too. When they're <laughs> yeah. <writing a> comic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. And, 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 okay. So I, while we were talking, um, I, I was trying to think of moments when DC and Marvel haven't done this and like, where they've actually um given creator rights to the to the people who created the uh the characters 
And the only time I can think of is the Jim the James Robinson Starman, Jack Knight. And um, where where basically DC, yes, he's a DC character, but they cannot use him unless they pay Robinson. And yeah, I think that's I think true. That's, that's, that's bad for DC, but you know what? That's good for creators. And honestly, let's let's read read Starman and like get get Starman more even more popular. It's a great comic, so it's definitely not like you're reading something that's trashy to make it better. But <laughs> it's it's great. And by reading it, you're also still sending a message to DC saying, "Hey, like this creator-owned comic is like really good, and you should just do this more often." It's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, Carrie, you have been a little quiet. I know that you're not as much immersed into conflict culture yet. So, no, it's so for those of you keeping track on your uh, podcast bingo, I'm still sick. This time I have a headache and a stomach ache. So, yay, different, something different, (laughs) something different every week. So, I apologize if I'm quiet because I just, I'm I'm not up to snuff. We had just actually had our, um, we went out, out of town as well. We yeah, it was our uh, 15th wedding anniversary. Yeah, so um, it was fun Yay. and we're kind of tired. Yeah, I know. Carrie has the patience of a saint. She's been married to me for 15 years. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, and really quick, since we're, we, we brought that up, um, shout out to the Book Loft. It's okay. in Solvang, California. It's on the main drag in Solvang, which is like a kitschy little town. But it has some of the best graphic novels um and YA book selections that we've seen. It's an independent bookstore. If you're in California or you want to support indie, definitely I would look them up online because they do special orders all the time, they said. And I'm taking um, some history classes that I'm having a hard time finding the books. And I'm going to be ordering all my books through them because they're just super awesome. Love some lovely people work there and own it. So yeah, great selection. Whoever's doing their, their buying for their young adult, as well as their graphic novels are doing a great job. In fact, if you go on Instagram onto the CDB pod, you'll see a picture of singing Core's um, <laughs> legend of Antipo out in the wild. And that's where that picture was taken. Um, and I ended up buying two of the books that's also in that picture, um, <laughs> make, making friends and, um, and goblin, which have been kind of hard to find. And so like, and, and then, and also I'm, I'm happy to, to buy them there because it's helping a smaller place yeah. we actually went there twice yeah and we I'll, weren't there that long also like, um, we did two trips there to go shopping it's also upstairs is the hans christian anderson museum <laughs> yeah i mean it's total kitsch it's a lot of fun so it's a lot of kitsch it's a solving is a kitsch town it's it's the danish capital of california of america uh, of america yeah, so, yeah. Took that title so they have it. like windmills and they have good cookies and all that kind of yeah, stuff um and then also it's wine country so hey if you're into wine tasting go there and also go to book Lock and buy some books. I'll put the link to their to their website. Yeah, because it was actually a lot. Well, of, we had so, a good time there. Yeah, it was definitely. fun. Okay, well, um, I guess I want to probably move on to the end of our show here, if you guys are ready to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, so we have reached the end of the show. Thank you, everyone, as always, uh, for 
listening to us and reaching out and talking to us too, if you do. Uh, email us any questions or comments at better at gmail.com. Uh, Instagram, Twitter is cdvpod. Uh, website is comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com uh, where you can request subjects for a future show. Um, and uh, Darcy, where can we find you? Uh, I am at books underscore serial um, on Twitter. And I have a website, booksandserial.wordpress.com. Just a couple of episodes left of Marvel's Wastelanders, Old Man Star-Lord. I think two, two. Nice. Um, And uh, it's getting kind of tense. Getting kind of tense, so... I caught, uh, I caught up, so yeah. You caught up? Yeah, <laughs> it it's, it's, it's definitely getting kind of tense. Uh, episode 9 should be, uh, if you're listening to this, um, should have been uh, two days ago. Yeah. Uh, but for me, right now, tomorrow. And yeah. I'm super excited about it uh, because, holy crap, some important things I think are going to happen uh, tomorrow or two days ago. Um, yeah. Uh, also, on my Twitter right now, um, we're doing lots of me complaining about people complaining about uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the uh, new um, I Am Not uh, Starfire book, because, again, uh, me on my rant about people yeah. being terrible about young adult and children's comics. So leave that book alone. Uh, could it be bad? Yes. Do you have a clue? No. Moving on. You're, yeah. They're judging it for the wrong reasons. Judging it for the wrong reasons. It's, also, it's... Mar- uh, Tamaki's books, like almost everything she's written yeah. in the last, I don't know, lots of years have been excellent. So <laughs> such a weird, I yeah. don't know. I'm very angry about it. Let's move on. <laughs> and any, any comic that features a goth girl or a goth guy, I'm probably all for. So all for it mm-hmm. um and also body positivity so mm, very yes, much so. please um so um also okay so by the time this episode comes out i'm hoping i have a new so you watched this time it'll be loki um here's some here's some independent comic books to check out if you liked it um and so i'm, I'm working on that right now i have about five books on my list i want at least eight <laughs> so i gotta figure out a few more um and um also um this isn't comic book related but i just wanted it's it's definitely has to do with industries that don't represent people well and so um in sports um nhl I, you guys all probably know i'm a hockey fan <laughs> and um luke prokop who is a um He's a prospect for the Nashville Predators. Has came out today on Twitter with a letter that basically said, you know, that he's gay and he's the openly first openly gay player in the NHL, and that's super important. Of course, some of the comments were absolutely terrible, but only read the comments if you're just gonna laugh at those people because, yeah, it's but it's 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 fantastic uh hockey as you probably all know have has a very bad representation problem when it comes to a lot of things including race as well and and so yeah this isn't a race issue but at least there's representation now in the sport you know somewhere and it's in a good place yeah very much so so yeah sports uh, sports is not very good with that period no hopefully the same thing that 
the thing that happened to Michael Sam in, in NFL where basically the media booted them out because they were just constantly hounding him. Hopefully mm-hmm. that doesn't happen, you know, this yeah. time around. Um, well, um, I can be reached if you want to talk about all this stuff at <laughs> Bryjan2814 on Twitter, Bryjan underscore CB on Instagram. And, and I'd like to say I got one new follower on my Instagram. Thank you. You know who you are. Because as soon as this person like requested it, I immediately confirmed and followed back. So that, I'm very excited. But congratulations. Brian, thank you. And Brian was... did point out something that maybe I said incorrectly is my Instagram handle is underscore staff Rico underscore. underscore. Yeah. So what did you say? Hashtag? Staff, no. no, I just said staff Rico. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I forgot that I had a bunch of underscores in there. So I'm going, I'm going to give to... everyone a, a second chance because I messed up. So again, if you want to add me, you can. I'll put it in 72. You're a terrible points. person. <laughs> I'll put I it totally in 72 point font in the description <laughs> bold with the underscores. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> and th- that's all the description is going to be for this show. It's just, it's just my Instagram just handle because my, my account has now like 16 followers. Yeah. Um, and also the person who followed you uh, is the person who told me about uh, um, Luke Prokop today. Oh, sweet. So. Yes, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so you once again know who you are. So thank you. Um, all right. Well, uh, so I think that's all about it. So all I have to say is for Darcy and Carrie, I'm Brian. This has been the Comics Are Better podcast. And remember, comics are better and everyone deserves comics. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Um, but that's to me the introduction. Holy fucking shit! What was that? What happened? Oh my god! It's a what? fucking spider that's like ten feet wide. Holy shit! Where? Ooh. Outside my window. It's oh so my big. god! It just walked across my window. It's like the size of my hand. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> that sounds really bad that's awful you don't have to go outside for anything do you no, no but it just scared the shit out of me because it's yeah. like right there I okay let's get move on. what was i talking about oh no worries no i don't get tarantulas but it was all oh, a holy fucking shit and it was just it was like on its web or something so it like oh, floated no. by nope nope, <laughs> like, nope come over there here it was again holy oh. crap okay oh. what was i talking about Oh my god! Oof. So um, like about her intro and how it was personal. About her intro and how it was like, yeah, how it was like personal. No, because I I get that from like a perspective of like, what is it doing there? Oh my god! We can take a minute because yeah, this is freaking me out too for you. We hate spiders so much. Holy crap! No. What am I thinking about? No, I saw it. It's going to live up there. It's making a home. It's building a spider web above oh, my window. And I have to go over there to drain that. Oh, God. Now I'm going to die. I'm never going over there again. I'm never going over there. Yeah, that's what it's doing. It's building a spider web over by that window. You have a BB gun? I mean, no, but I, and if I shot it, I would shoot my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe a pressure washer? like or uh pressure washer there's there's a good there's a good answer yeah
Let's go back to this for like the 14th time. I'm going to try to ignore that window. I think I have my bonus material for this episode. (laughs) Okay. So her introduction was like something, something, something. I don't know. We're going to have to move on. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, No, um, I I, I liked it. I, I got it. 